So in this parable that our Lord shares with us today, his original audience was the Pharisees. That's where it begins. Jesus said to the Pharisees, and then he goes on with this parable. As the Pharisees are listening to this, I suppose that they think of themselves as Lazarus, the poor man. After all, they have followed the commandments of God, the 613 commandments of God. And they pride themselves on following the commandments of of God, so they see themselves as the innocent one, and that it's the other people who are bad kind of thing. But of course, we know better, right? We know that Jesus is making the reference that the Pharisees are the rich man and they are indifferent to the poor man, Lazarus. The thing is, is as we hear this, we kind of think of ourselves. I mean, if we think we have to be one or the other, we generally don't think we're the rich man. We think, well, I mean, A, I'm not rich. B, if I was rich, I wouldn't be lounging around, growing obese, lying on my side on a cushion, eating grapes and whatever, as this poor man is lying at my door, dying of starvation with body sores all over him. I wouldn't do that, so I'm not the rich man. But actually, we are the rich man. Jesus isn't addressing this to poor guys. He's addressing it to us. And this is the kind of wealth that he's talking about. So, first of all, this rich man, what crime has he committed? What sin did he do? Did he curse at the poor man? Did he kick the poor man? Did he take from the poor man? Did he steal from the poor man? He didn't do anything bad to the poor man. So why is he burning in purgatory? And I'll get to purgatory in a moment. The reason is because he didn't do anything good for him. It wasn't for sins of commission, what the rich man thought, said, and did that put him in purgatory. It was his failure to do what God wanted him to do that put him in purgatory. So by way of comparison, we think, well, you know, What have I ever done to anyone that would be so terrible? Well, most of the reason why we're going to spend time in purgatory is because we failed to live up to what our Lord wanted of us. And what did he want of us? Well, the first thing he wanted from us is to go to Mass. Well, I didn't go to Mass. Well, I didn't feel like it. Oh, well, that's a year of purgatory or whatever sort of thing. I didn't pray every day. Why not? I didn't feel like it. Now, that's another year of purgatory, whatever sort of thing. There are lots of ways in which we don't serve God in the ways he wants us to serve him. And it's really important for us to take stock of that. And to recognize that the wealthy man is not suffering because of anything he did, but because of what he didn't do. And our Lord will hold us accountable too. They will hold us accountable for things much more important than the material things of this world, like money and food and shelter. They will hold us accountable for the spiritual failures, the moral failures on our part. See, the Pharisees, they had all of that material stuff locked down. They were failing spiritually and morally. They had their 613 laws and they're checking everyone off. I'm doing everyone as I'm supposed to. But I'm not doing any of it for love of God or neighbor. And for that, the Pharisees were in serious trouble. All right. 
A word about purgatory. How do we know the rich man's in purgatory, not hell? Because in hell, Satan and the fallen angels and all the people in hell, uh, they hate. That's just, they just hate uncontrollably. They hate everybody and everything. They hate God. They hate the other angels. They hate each other. They hate everyone in hell. They attack everyone in hell. They attack everyone on earth. They just hate The wealthy man, burning, actually cares about his five brothers on earth, and he doesn't want them to join him where they're at, where he's at, which gets us to the next point. Everyone in hell wants everyone else to join them in hell. So Satan and the fallen angels want all of us in hell. All of the people in hell want us in hell. The wealthy man suffering these fires and torments doesn't want his siblings where he is, so he's not in hell. He's in purgatory. He's in purgatory. And that rich man will make it to heaven. Hence, God doesn't give us his name. Jesus does not name him. Out of respect for one who will join him in heaven one day. But the rich man's got a lot of purgation. Got a lot of payback, if you will, for his life of indifference toward his neighbor. And for his life of indifference toward God. Which gets me to this next one. He says, he says to Abraham, to Lazarus, Hey, send Lazarus, who's dead now, to my five brothers to warn them. And then Abraham or Jesus says, Well, they've got Moses and the prophets. Have them listen to the Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets talk about the life they're supposed to live. Oh, they won't listen to Moses and the prophets. But if somebody from the dead comes and speaks to them, they'll listen to him. To which Jesus says, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they aren't going to listen to someone even if he should rise from the dead. Which is a clear reference to Jesus. Because remember, Jesus rose from the dead and not everyone believed. Of the 7.4 billion people in the world, who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's God, and that we need to educate ourselves about him, serve him, and love him? How many of the 7.4 billion? It'd be less than a billion, honestly. The vast majority have rejected Jesus, even though he came back from the dead. Which, the point of all of this is, if Jesus were telling us today... You have your priests. You have the Bible. You've got the church. Listen, engage. There is your salvation. We'd say, no, 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 no. I want you, Jesus, to come and appear to me. I want your angels to appear to me, etc. Why? Because I'm God and it's your job to serve me. Got it? To which Jesus says, Oh, no, you get to spend time in purgatory to figure out who God is, and it's not you. And so when the wealthy man says, Oh, they won't believe the Moses and the prophets. Send someone from the dead. I can just see a guy going, Buddy, you just tacked on another century of purgatory. You still don't get it. It's not about what you and what you want and what you can control. It's about surrendering all of that away and serving God. Satan and the fallen angels believe in God. They know he exists. They know who the Trinity is. They know who Jesus is. When Jesus is casting out the demons, they keep saying, I know who you are. 
the evil spirits. I know who you are. You're the son of man. He's his silence. Why are they not in heaven? Because they refuse to serve. They're in heaven in all of God's glory and splendor, in their own glory and splendor. And they refuse to serve him. And so they're cast out for all eternity to suffer unimaginable torments without end. Forever, not even to the end of time. Time will end one day and they'll still be in hell suffering. So this is a powerful warning to each one of us. Don't be complacent. Because that's what the wealthy man is. He's simply complacent. He's got what he wants and that's good enough for him. For now. And then he'll die and he will realize it was not good enough. But then he won't have any more time to make it up. A final word about this. Our life on earth is just a shooting star. Just a blink of an eye and we open our eyelid and it's over compared to eternity. Compared to eternity, even a thousand years on earth is just a blink of an eye. It's over so fast. And only while we're still alive on earth. Not when we're in purgatory or in heaven. But only while we're still alive on earth. Can we merit Can we do anything for God? Can we show him that we love him? When we're in purgatory and heaven, it's all there before us. The response to God is automatic, etc. But here on earth, we can still demonstrate through our sacrifices and our suffering that we love God, and because of that, we love our neighbor. And the rich man lost his chance. Let's not lose our opportunity. Let's not lose our chance to love Jesus. And if that means that I don't know that much about him, then we pick up the Bible and do the work ourselves. If we say, well, I don't know that, I don't know really, then we pick up the catechism and we read it and do the work ourselves and figure it out. Nobody ever told me that it's on us. It's not on anyone else anymore. It was on our parents when we were kids. Now we're not kids. It's on us. It's on us now. And here it is. Here it all is. So by the grace of God, and we need God's grace, and we need God's grace, let's ask the Lord to put a fervor within us that we might truly seek to know, love, and serve Him. And to love Him, and because of that, to serve others in love of Him. And then, and then to be so grateful for all those opportunities to sacrifice and to suffer for love of him. Because the day is coming very soon for every one of us where we will no longer be able to demonstrate our love for God or neighbor. And we will have been so grateful if we will have taken a hold of the opportunity in this life to have done so.